did that in one of Sinister's videos last night when he started recording. I know, yeah, we did it <laughs> too. Yeah, one, two, two, three. Bong. Bong. And welcome to Nerdtastic in 3D. I'm your host, Jack Geckler. And with me always is... I'm <laughs> trying to think how to do this. You were gonna I say? actually forgot my own name for a second. I am To my To Eric my left Smith. in our new room, since there is no real right yes, this recording time. Recording from a... Uh, brand new location. Brand new location. If it's you're the, watching on YouTube, we're going to be in a theater-like. In a theater. Very theater-like. Uh, to my left is... Uh, Adam McFarland, banana grabber, back in uh, back in town finally. Nice, nice welcome back. back. Thank you. It's, it's about time we got you back. And that was also a very questionable. And I'm Adam. I didn't, I couldn't remember if we said our our handle and then our God, name. It's been a while. Stupid. It's been I'm a Josh Lebrod. Everybody, no <laughs> questions, no problems. That is my name. I know it. I have a question. What's your handle? Lebravo. Nice. Are we really calling yeah. it handles? Because it's kind of gay. No, that's what they're called. <laughs> I feel like a trucker. Exactly. And your name is? Lunchbox. Sir? <laughs> I would be Jason Carter, <laughs> a.k.a. Pirate JC. Yar! And I'm Jack Tastic 3D on Xbox. And special guest this evening, kids. Super special. Like, is, uh, beyond amazing. Is a really good friend of me in LaBravo who we game with from the OTC community, the old-timers community. Yay. Uh, Sinister. Which What's I'm going still on, not buddy? a member of, by the way. Hey, guys. Yeah, welcome back. Sinister here. Oh, that's my YouTube <laughs> intro. I love, I love that YouTube. <laughs> but that's, nice. a great, that's a great segue to a very, very, uh, very, very good YouTube channel that Sinister has going where he basically looks at the best players on in the Call of Duty community and he breaks down their videos. So it's not just him looking like a badass like I try to do in my videos. He actually goes and finds good people. Yeah. And breaks right. them down. He's not a poser. He's not a poser like you. No, I, I tr- I'm I I'm 100% try hard. Exactly. <laughs> Look at me. I am jacktastic. I <laughs> am amazing. I got progressively more involved in better players. My videos actually got less and less. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a good. It was a good way to go. It was a good way to go. I'm. I'm excited to have you on tonight because you have just one of the. I find one of the most interesting backgrounds, and I feel like I only know like such a smidgen of it because I only have a relationship with you from about. 10 o'clock until midnight. <laughs> uh, that sounds, that sounds a, a little weird. It, exactly. But it's the, perfect yeah. Amount yeah. Of, it's the perfect amount of kink, and I like it at that. <laughs> you have a relationship with him after your family goes to bed? Exactly. Nice. Exactly. But, nice. it, but it works for Jack-tastic us right now. Fantastic and sinister, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, buddy. I mean, it's uh, great to have you on the show. I know you've been listening for a while. And uh, you're up north. You're up in San Fran area. I am. I think we yeah, should let him California. tell us in the segment of get to know your nerd. nerd. Go ahead there, Sinister. Tell us a bit about yourself. Okay, first off, I am a huge <laughs> fanboy. Boy, that was probably loud, but uh, I'm a huge fanboy of this show. This is, it's amazing, Jack, that you said that you were interested in what I do when everything about, if you grow up as an any geek or nerd yeah, you know, personality at all. You know, 
chess club. Yes, I was in the chess club. And <laughs> yeah, so, buddy. Nice. I think we all have these dreams or visions, and we look at movies as this magical place, right? And it's this escape that we can all go to. And so I'm such a huge fan of what you do. And it's kind of interesting that we always find the, you know, the grass is greener. We look at somebody else and say that the mystery of that is really attractive to me. So I find what you you guys do so attractive and so interesting. It's fun. It's funny though that like I I, I think about the, what you're just saying right there, but I feel and maybe the same with Josh. Like our backgrounds at a younger age were the exact opposite. Like we both were very much into sports. Like I was into I wanted to be in the I wanted to be an army sniper. Like I, my whole like growing up was so different. Till I got. I don't know, uh, early 90s, and it just sort of started, you know, when I found computers, it started to switch a bit. And I'm like, I kind of dig this crap way more than just being a jock. Yeah, definitely. And sort of developed into that. You know, did I screw up uh, telling about myself? I think Completely. Sorry, you, you asked me, okay. Completely, and then I and then I and then I went into a segue about. Can we just can we just stop recording and just restart the show again? Because now this. Hey, is just... that was basically the spy way of diverting attention yes. to Did something else. That? Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Exactly. Completely talking about yourselves. No, I know. I went right back into why I'm a badass. But so, hey, sinister. Thank you very much for the shout out. We are incredibly happy to have you. Yes, yes definitely. Thank you very much. So, I didn't, I'm not going to lie. I didn't learn much in what he just said. No, he's going back <laughs> into it. Now Now we're going to get the real sinister. We're going to get the real sinister. We're not done. Leave it or fix it in post. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Uh, so currently I run the executive security management and protection for a Fortune 500 company. And what that means, that's a lot of words. But what it really means is that I make sure that very rich people and very important people stay safe at their homes and at their office and the people that work for them. So we have, let's see, we, we meet with the president quite Adam, frequently. And not because you're state. sinister, Adam thinks you're awesome. I don't know any of this, so this is awesome. This is pretty interesting. The president of these United States? Yes. Uh, so Obama is a, so the, hmm. Feel free to tiptoe around. So, okay, so my boss is the head of the, obviously the CEO and owner of the company. So, and we are a multinational worldwide organization. We probably have over 50,000 employees way over, but uh, I'll leave that. that. (laughs) And so we also head up a corporate or a conglomerate that Obama uh, tends to spend a lot of time requesting financial aid and, and, ideas about where technology is going. So we meet with him. We have several members of former staff members. You would recognize most of their names on our cabinet list. So it is is a full-time job. It is a high-profile job. It, you know, it's amazing to me, though, that everybody, you know, we kind of put people on a pedestal, but at the end of the day, people are pretty much the same, regardless (laughs) of their title. Right, right. Important people, important job, but, um, you know, as long as you take, you know, I try to take it serious as I can, but I also realize that there are other people doing good work too. So that's what I'm doing currently. Um, I'm a for- former federal agent. You've Police. blown all our minds already. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can, you'll gone. see on the video here, all our eyes are like, holy <laughs> Yeah, you crap. talked about our jobs. Is- <laughs> it's just like you're sitting there and like, I am kind of a big deal here. <laughs> okay, you know what? I, I have to say, the hardest thing doing a Skype 
you know, over the Skype. Yeah, if I just ruined it for everybody, we're on Skype. But I am. I think you guys are all in a room. And so the nonverbals are not there. Yeah. So I'm actually talking to a black computer screen. <laughs> oh, right, right, so right. I don't know sure. when I so you don't, you don't see that our eyes are like <laughs> super wide right now. I, I don't know if they're glazed over and you're like, okay. We're all asleep. We're exactly. so bored. Riveted. I'm so, riveted. The beauty of us is we will let you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's awesome. So I, um, so I was a federal agent and a police officer before that. And actually was involved in several pretty high profile missions with heads of state and some, uh, you know, incidents that went down. Is this when you were a federal agent? Yeah. So I was, so I was in a special unit with the military. And Wait a I, minute. Hold well, on. Is this pre, like, is this pre? Let's, so, let's start at the beginning. Let's start. You, yeah, you yeah, graduated so high school. What did you do after? You emerged from the birth school. canal. Let's go the other way. Let's wow. go. Let's go. You graduated high school. I graduated high school. Okay. I wanted to go to school, college, but I came from a family of five, and my parents were teachers, and so it wasn't in the cards. So I joined the military, and what, what I became. Branch? A, and I went to school at night, where I. What um, branch did you join? The Navy initially. Navy. In the Navy. In the Who Navy. saw that one coming? Who saw that one coming? Just raise your hand if you saw... by me or just in general. I'm going to say both. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So go ahead, Sinister. It was. I have to say it was one of the best times of my life. You know, at the time I would have said it sucked, but <laughs> uh, you know, in the Navy, I was able to. I was part of a flight crew and tactical crew that we flew missions. Let's say, okay, I so was you're in a, an pilot. Air, a similar aircraft as to the one that was captured by the Chinese. Whoa! And I was doing very much the similar things that they were doing when they were caught. So we spent <laughs> a lot of time. Wow. Yeah, in um, what, what we call Westpac, which is the Western Pacific Theater. And so Clinton was nominated and then elected as president, and he started this program called Reduction in Force. And so he began to close bases in the military. Uh, the base that I was assigned to was one of the ones that was chosen to be closed. So they told they gave me a notice that I needed to find other work. So at sorry that point, within within the within the Navy or elsewhere. Elsewhere, like would they not have just? I'm I'm surprised though in the service they just didn't transfer you to another uh, base. Yeah, right. So it was a complete reduction in force. It oh, wasn't wow. a transition of force. What they wanted they wanted the numbers to be lower. Oh, uh, and I could I found out. So it, it will connect later when I was actually part of a secret service uh, a team with that worked with the secret service with the Clintons that I realized that they have. Strong feelings about the military and hmm. law enforcement. So, um, I don't know. Maybe I'll rewind there and just say that uh, in the Navy, I, you know, got to do some fun stuff. But when they told, when they asked me to leave, at, at that time I was uh, asked to apply at, for a military uh, army unit as a warrant officer, and our job was to be tasked out as we actually attended a federal I attended a federal agent course where I was a homicide and special events investigator. Now would this be similar to like Hold I, on. I think that title is awesome. You investigated homicides and like parties <laughs> and special, special events. events. So okay so in the military the less how can I say this? <laughs> the, the cooler the name, the less cool the job. Oh, <laughs> dang it. <laughs> no, it's like that That member on that special I watched the other night, the Secret Service, yeah, and yeah, I yeah. said, the cat team. Doesn't sound cool at all. 
They're a fucking military unit in a vehicle who jumps out with machine guns. They're cool. <laughs> Lays waste to Shitty everybody. name. So I don't know if you guys remember Abu Ghraib. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Right. So my unit was one of the units that investigated the events. Can you, at, a, a, Jay, can you, can you real fast? I had two nodding heads from Jason Carter and Josh LeBron who had no idea what you were talking heads. about. <laughs> so Abu Ghraib was a, something that happened in Iraq. Adam's pantomime. I'm trying to really pantomime to catch them up. <laughs> what was the thing? It was just Adam about just them. trying to take his shirt off and, and he was taking he was taking right. pictures while taking his shirt off, trying to explain what happened. I was pantomiming. I was helping. Okay. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Keep going. So, no, no. So okay. So Abu Ghraib was a military housing area that was reassigned to be a holding unit for prisoners that had been um, either had surrendered or had been taken into custody. Uh, during the war, and a they for some reason the brilliance of the military they assigned a group of motor T, which is motor transportation specialists, people who fix cars and drive cars. <laughs> I remember they this now. Yeah, reassigned them yes. to be guards, pretty prison much right. guards. <laughs> yeah, right. They sent them to what we call a shake and bake school, where they spend about I don't know, I think it was six weeks learning how to be a prison guard, and sent them over and said, "Here you go." <laughs> and because of that, there was a lot. So they they learned the school way, and then, then they were put into theater, and they ran into people like Navy SEAL, Special Operations Units, uh, CIA operatives, who were doing it differently. And so that they kind of just adopted the way they were doing it and didn't really understand what was right and what's wrong, and it kind of got out of hand. Wasn't there was the some... most professional way to say it? I mean, professional way to do it, if you will? Yeah, so, you know, anything you do, I think you go to school and then you go to work and you kind of find the real way to do it. (laughs) And so, and you kind of learn that there are some cowboys and that there are people who are more conservative and you kind of find your own what works. And if you don't have that time to adjust, you're kind of put into theater. I think, you know, it really was, yeah, my heart goes out to them in a way because they were kind of put in a situation that was very difficult. And in so much to say that there were photos posted of prisoner abuse right. and because of that they um it was leaked to the media and then it became a special event or a special investigative <laughs> interesting process so, interesting so when you said okay that makes more sense to me so when you said special obviously being naive the special event to me was like you you helped with motorcades you did special events on those kind of lines now i'm thinking like now I know, weddings well yeah, exactly <laughs> now i think special event meaning shit went down that's so a special if there was event. A, if there was something that was going to be high profile we handled it okay okay so and it, it included in that is you know personal protection and you know protection uh details but only if there was suspicion of imminent attack Okay, was that was that mostly overseas or in the states? For me it was CONUS. It was the continental United States. Okay. I did protection. Okay. Craziness. Is that typically yeah. in small teams or is that big teams? Like is it vary? Okay, that is a great question. Okay, so the way it works and I'll tell you, it's 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 a better question than I get most of the time. Most of the time people like to go to the job, but we were assigned and sent out as individual uh, agents. And what you do is you marry up with a unit, either a special operations unit or the involved uh, unit that you're investigating. Sometimes they don't know what you're doing or why you're there. Uh, Other times they do. And it's your job to kind of find the truth, as it were, and find out, 
you know, before. This is a movie waiting to be made. Is there a TV show that's already been made about this? (laughs) (laughs) It can be very daunting. It can be off. It it almost seems deceptive, which is kind of uh, goes against my personality. I think anybody in that worked in my unit was really we like we say the way things are, you know, we're pretty straight shooters. And so to be deceptive on any level, especially with what you consider your brothers in a combat theater. It can, be a, it can be a difficult mental transition, but you realize at the end of the day that you're doing it for a better reason. You're doing it for, you know, this idea of God and country. You know, you, you, I think in one of the later uh, last episodes you talked about, would you jump in front of someone and take a bullet for them? Yeah. Yeah, and it becomes about less about the person. I think, you know, you guys are so bright and intelligent. Very rarely do people come up with the fact that it's it's about the symbol and it's about the position. It's not... Yeah. Is very. If you look at the person, that's the you, gist disab- I got from it. Is those people seem to be in that mentality ninety nine percent of the time. Absolutely. You, you will be so disappointed if you count on the person being worthy of being defended. That's an interesting way to put it. You know, like <laughs> I, I, I mean, people people are always going to. They're never going to meet expectations of honor, right? Like if you think about the president of the United States for for a second, no human being could ever possibly meet the standard or the ideal expectation at which an, every American has for the president of the United States. That's not possible. It's not humanly no, possible. it's just like with everybody. It's just like you can't please everybody in your life. Exactly. So to, for, for these guys to go—sorry, I'm going tangent here— but for, the, for somebody to jump in front of the president and, and, and take a bullet for them, it's all about the honor of, of the status and the symbol of what that office is, not necessarily the person, right? Yeah. Like, and that's something really noble. Like— what if you went with an extreme with it? Like you actually said, man, this person's a complete like jerk. I don't like them as a person at all, but they are the president. They And I'm, I'm taking a bullet for the position, not the person. And that was their argument. And I'm sure, Jay, you've run into that, you know, just that that needs to be the mentality. I'll tell you, it is so insightful. I have to say there are very few politicians that agents enjoy or like. <laughs> and, and, and I don't sure. say that, ca- sure. you know, I don't say that, and it sounds trite, but the fact of the matter is we tend to judge ourselves by intent and other people by actions. So all you have really to judge them is their actions, and they're very, to get to those levels, there's a level of narcissism and self-absorption that's totally. necessary, oh, perhaps. Absolutely. Or I don't know if it's necessary, uh, but it is a part of who they are or who they have become. I'm sure oh, that's you, what it you is. have I'm, to be. I'm sure it's been created. I mean, they're surrounded by a staff whose job is to be like, you're doing great. No matter what's happening, you're doing great. And particularly in public office, which no matter which way you dice it, is a popularity contest. Who had the best campaign? Who looked the best? Who gave the best speeches and the best debates? Who had the most money? I mean, it's interesting. It's like all about this, like, it's a popularity contest. Yeah, absolutely. It's high school. You know, when you think about going to high school and all your cliques and everything like that, that doesn't go away when you get older. I mean, all it is is just in a bigger bowl. Right. Like you had your high school, your little fishbowl, and all your little cliques. It's just like that, you know, in society. I will share. I don't know if any of you guys know. I was class president in sixth grade. That's pretty impressive. Is that ta- is that taking you places? Because yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure who who's on unemployment here? Raise your hands. Uh, hey, for sinister. If you can't you're tell, that's that's Adam McFarland. Right? <laughs> uh, you know, Jay, to go back to where you're at now, and you're in, or, or where you're at in the story. Uh, something mm-hmm. I was wondering. I, I think you said sometimes they knew why you were there. So in those cases, maybe why, when a team knew why you were there, were there was there any animosity? Oh well, it depends. Directed so, towards the person being there. So we worked a case. It depends. You know, that's a great question too because 
Okay, let me give you an example. So there was a young lieutenant who had been assigned as a tank commander in the Midwest. And I'll just say, leave it there. And they were doing a training session. And something interesting about tanks that I, you know, I didn't realize until later was that the, the, the turret, the main gun on this is first off, imagine a multi-ton gun. Okay. Is this like an Abrams style tank? It is, it, this cannon is heavier than any car you drive. Right. And it's just, it's hardened steel. It's designed to fire this round thousands and thousands of meters. Right. And so they, if you allow them to, if you power them down, they actually rest on the ground. Wow. Okay. So this tank commander, part of the training for these tank commanders is don't stand under the turret. Unfortunately, a new lieutenant, as he is wont to do, is overwhelmed by what's going on. He stood under the turret. They lost hydraulics. The turret dropped and split him in half. Oh, Holy. Holy. oh my goodness. I, I was I, I was doing a finger motion to Jake because he looked at me like, I don't get it. And then sorry, I thought, sorry. I'm like, the actual so like, tur- the, 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 the gun, the, the cannon gun, the end of the barrel will, will lean tip over. down toward the ground if they don't have yep. the hydraulics on to hold it up. That's correct. Wow. Right. And, and it so, split him in two? Yeah. Well, oh, okay. So pretty much. So it was. There was a few. <laughs> think of a bag of oh, jello. <laughs> You just had to say bag, and we all were like, oh, God. Potato chips. When I ripped them open, that's where I went. (laughs) So we were called to handle that case primarily because he was a uh, politician's son. Oh. Right? So they knew when we showed up why we were there in that case. Now, there was another case where a general, a three-star, had been, let's say, I, I, I tread lightly. <laughs> no, but this, that's what makes it so much more like know, it's awesome. interesting. It's like he has to be secretive. And I'm not going to lie. Every pause, I try to guess. Yeah. <laughs> and I was way wrong on the other one. So <laughs> I'll tell you if I was wrong on this one. So oftentimes in special operations units, they're giving tier one level uh, money. And what that means is they're able to buy the newest, coolest stuff that goes bang the biggest and shoots the best. So, is this like SEAL Team 6, how they get everything first? Well, yeah, you know, all of these special operations units that are, you know, um, you know, you, you, well, 141 and the other units, any of the Green Berets, uh, ODA teams are all tier one. Okay. So on any of the, the uh, force projection teams like that are going to be tier one. So if you're a tier one team, you get all this money, but you're, there's a lot of R&D that goes into that. And that it, a lot of times that falls on the shoulders of a general and his staff. To do the research and development. So they might get 100 rifles. They will send them out, and they may pick two. Right? So what happens to the 98? Uh, 100 different kinds different of rifles? Different models, yeah. Different models, oh, okay. different types, okay. different loadouts, okay. different okay. You know, magazine types, different release. I mean, they, the changes, as you know, it, it, the changes can be as little to a magazine release or it can be the type of optics that are used. Right, right. Okay. Okay. So that what happens to the 98, they're supposed to be destroyed. Well, oftentimes, <laughs> they're not. And in some cases, they can be sold for narcotics and used uh, for other nefarious things. And in this case, there was actually gang involvement, and it, it became this spider web of problems. So we were called in, and then wow, without can, saying too much, yeah. we, they, they didn't know why we were there until... Until it was too late. <laughs> me and one other, uh, me, me and another officer walked into the three star and said, "Sir, 
yeah. like you to stand up and turn around, place your hands behind your back. Ooh, wow. that's so was cool. It, was his face like <laughs> Jack? Trip. Was his face like Jack Nicholson and being like, "You can't handle the truth." No, oh, not so. Okay. He actually said, "I can't handle the handcuffs." Yeah, exactly. I'm sure it was more like. Imagine that. what you would be like if some, you know, two. And so I, I'm six two, maybe two ten, mm-hmm. right? I probably bench about three oh five, and my the the other officer with me was six six two forty, and we guy. walked in with Small in guy. full dress uniform, uh, with our badge and credentials. He, he wasn't and, fighting. And we had three uh, military policemen with us with rifles Good so Lord. behind us. So when we walked in, it was less, I'm a badass and more, I'm afraid, I'm oh, scared. Abs- oh, absolutely. What do I do? Yeah, so, sure, yeah. Probably pooped it, a little bit. <laughs> exactly. A lot bit. <laughs> that, you know, what's more scary in that story to me is the fact of thinking of a gang running around on the streets with potentially... The ninety-eight other edge. automatic cutting-edge weaponry, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's just—that's insane to me. So, speaking, kind of segueing a little bit off to onto that uh, weapons kind of topic a little bit. Um, did you see stuff that you know? I, I know there's a lot of stuff that are public about weapons, and you know, the military has this, the military has that, and stuff. But I'm sure there's a shit ton of stuff that we don't know is quite out there and that exists. Did you ever get to experience those, like or? a Gumby rerun? Oh, yeah, that's Jason Carter. I'm just everyone. saying that would be out there, and you wow. might not know about it. I'm going to say weaponry. Oh, oh, oh specify exactly. So, in weaponry wise, did you see anything that just obviously the, the the general public of you know society had never seen or will never see or anything? Sometimes I'm so blown away by Jason that <laughs> that uh, I'm giving you the thumbs up. Like I think I can. I've heard every just bonkers thing he said and. And, he and then you. he brings up he Gumby. You. you have not. And no. I have not. Sorry, you were asking a question. Yes, I asked a question. Um, so d- did you have you Sinister? My voice yes. is cracked right there, too. Hey, everybody. You didn't tell me correctly. <laughs> so he answered yes. you. Oh, you know, answered so, you. So, yes. okay. <laughs> this is a great... Okay. So you're... Let me get this question correct, if I can. It's You're asking if it's like Apple, if they have two more generations of phones. Yeah. That haven't hit the street. Yeah, basically. I think. I mean, I don't need you to go into detail, but just have you? Did you experience any advanced weaponry that maybe the general public of you know or society either a doesn't exist or you know is was just ahead of its time? (coughs) Okay, let me answer it like this. So I so I teach. So I let. I, can I get back to your question and I'll I'll answer it this way. Sure. That, you don't even have to answer it if you don't want to. No, too, right? When you know? I was in the military, I put myself through graduate school and and uh, part of my job then became teaching these logic and art interview interrogation techniques to people. Oh, wow. And one of the one of the ways you can spot deception or avoidance is when they change the subject. <laughs> 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 so what I'm going to do so is change the say, subject. Okay, so that, so you're, you know, you're telling me you want to talk about Gumby right now. Hypothetically, those things do exist. I, you know, I've read about them in books and magazines. But <laughs> fair enough, <laughs> fair enough. Well, there are things we'll that, talk. We'll talk about yeah, one we, later. We do have one I, later that I, we'd like to. I, talk I about. think it's not too far fetched to believe that we didn't know about the SR-71 till 20 or 30 years. Right. After it had been developed right. and worked yeah. on and was flying, right? right. Those right. stories from those guys are nuts. Yeah. So, so, so let's certainly. keep going. Let's keep going with your career. So you you were part of this unit. 
How, how long at this point had you been in the military? Navy plus this. We're going to call it the, the birthday party unit. Yes. <laughs> Special events. Special <laughs> events unit, yes. Can I just say that's not the actual name of the team? Sure. Uh, <laughs> but it's close. I'm yeah, waiting for them like to it. pound through the door right now and go, you're coming with us. Yeah. We're the birthday exactly. squad. You're coming with it's us. It's what I could come up with on the fly, but it's close. Okay. Special is in it. Okay. Special is in it. <laughs> Special victims unit. Yeah, so I'm, dun, I'm just dun. curious at this point how long you had, had been doing this for. That's a great. Oh, let's think here. Um, maybe. Okay. So by the time we were handling, let's see, it was three years of training, uh, two years, six, maybe 11 years at that point. Including Navy? Including Navy. Oh, wow. Okay. Three years of tra- So after the Navy, when you went to be the warrant officer, it was three years of training. It was two years of vetting and one, and then. Oh, a, a lifetime of training. What's the what's the what's the <laughs> well said. what's the first part there? Vet is that just just generic training? Yeah. So you need. So there are special units that you have to. First off, you have to make what we call watermarks, or you have to match meet certain levels. You have to be able to test at certain levels. The schools you go to, you have to be in the top two in your class. Wow. There are not only that. Your backgrounds have to in your. Um, psych profiles have to match certain levels and they continue to they have to continue to meet those levels at any point that they dip below then you're asked to politely leave <laughs> so vetting wow. is the word I use that it's it describes it in my mind maybe that's not the best word to Filtering use it or... sounds like a like like we will vet interview candidates right like we'll kind of if you have a whole series of interview candidates you have to like pare them down at some point to a right, few spots right. okay. it sounds like something similar unless I'm wrong no, that's right. That I think that hits it right on the head. I, you know, you probably will think that there are a hundred people who are asked to apply, and those people that have been paper parsed, right, where they've been looked at on paper. So they'll probably look at a thousand candidates, send out a hundred application or requests for applications, and then they might, out of that a hundred, they might pick one or two. Yeah, wow. yeah. Okay. So it sounds like so. This is similar to. I mean, this pairing, is similar pairing, to yeah. well, in the seals, very similar to their or their applying for an animation job at DreamWorks. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> same thing. Probably have an easier time getting in the CIA. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. True. Probably, at, probably at this in the point. birthday party unit. <laughs> did you during that time during that vetting time? Did they? Uh, did you do any? Because when I was watching that that special the other day, they and we talked about it in the last episode was the uh, the close hand combat training stuff. Did you do any of that stuff? I did. There are there is very minimal training for the military side, but I did do some uh, very minor competing in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Whoa. Nice. Any competing yeah. in Brazilian jiu-jitsu is impressive. Well, the stuff I watched, I mean, wasn't even... Minimal or otherwise? Yeah, Because I could just... show up, but I wouldn't say I'm competing. Hey, <laughs> hey, did you give it your best shot? No, I got knocked on my ass, and I just walked in. The did you give me. it your best shot? No. Yes. Well, then why did you go? It's a different story. Different no, I day. just... I, I watched watching the video. I just... The, the training that looked like they gave them for... for uh, Similar to what I thought, like protection units, maybe it's stuff you've gotten into now in your current position, but uh, I found that very interesting, the very the, the close combat kind of stuff of like deflecting uh, if, you know, assailant has a firearm in their hands and that kind of stuff. Yeah, so y- y- I listened to that episode and I went, I so wished it was live at that point because I so wanted to talk to you. <laughs> That's what I figured. And I think I said there, I go, I wish, I think I said, I was like, I wish my buddy Sinister was here because he could, he could clarify probably some of this stuff. That's kind of one of the... 
the comments too that we get by people that we know that listen to the show. They they go, we enjoy the show, but it's frustrating because they want to interject <laughs> into what we're saying. Go like, I want to be part of this conversation. So <laughs> can I say it is one of the brightest shows that I've heard? I think nearly all of the times that, except maybe just a one or two, I think every thought that I've had has been brought up either by Jason or Josh or Adam. <laughs> Someone else has brought up the same thought that I had. I thought I'm just Boy. dumb. That's what I took from <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, not Thank Jason. You. There's, I clearly bring nothing to the table. He avoids subjects. That's, that's, that's very, subjects. very kind of you, Sinister. Yeah, dude, Thank we you appreciate that, it very that's much. Awesome. So. That's awesome. We try to bring a little bit of humor, a little bit of fun, a little bit of serious. Well, let's keep because I literally I can keep him on the subject all day. So let's let's move a little bit forward. So you 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 were doing this with this team, okay? So where okay? So where did that sort of take you? So uh, at that point, I began to realize that uh, the long term uh, opportunities in that position, especially with a continued war on the horizon, um, weren't great for a family. Um, so I transitioned to a reserve unit. Smart. And applied and was picked up by a local law enforcement, major metropolitan law enforcement uh, agency, and became a police officer for them. And was able to transition. You know, I really, I as much as you know about police work, it is more and less than you think. It is, it can be more chaotic and crazy, <laughs> and it can be so boring and mundane. Were you a, a like a beat cop? Were you a detective? Did you get put in a special unit? What did you when you got accepted? What did you kind of go into? The, okay, so I was a patrol officer for several years, and part of the reason that I wasn't assigned earlier was because I was gone a lot with the reserve unit, especially as wartime theater operations picked up. Right. So it wasn't. It wouldn't have. Would not have benefited. My, you know, the my department for me to be gone and then be assigned a caseload. Uh, later on, after 9-11, I was assigned to a joint terrorism team that uh, we anybody who flew in and out of our city, we have a, a fairly large airport, international airport, uh, it was part of our job to ensure that they caused no further harm. Wow. wow. Yeah. It's intense. <laughs> it's I know, right? Crazy. It's so cool to like, <laughs> listen, you just process, you know, we're all processing everything you're saying, and you can just see all the wheels turning in our heads. Oh, like, we easily oh. could make a movie of your life, my friend. <laughs> easily. <laughs> well, I was hoping that they'd already made it, and it was taken. It's called That's The Born Ultimatum. I was, it was <laughs> born or taken. Two, two I, it was very good movies, I kids. was hoping it was, I'm, I'm, it was, is you had a specific set of skills. Did you, uh, Jay, did you, uh... When you when you were doing that, your reserve unit, they didn't put you in a generic reserve unit. Were you a reserve unit still for the birthday party group? No, I was, yeah. So I was assigned to a unit that still handled, uh, you know, special activities overseas. Did that get, so? That, well, I'm curious with that. As most people go into the reserves to do their, their weekend a month and, you know, be able to live a life, but I... I just wonder with your unit if that was not the case. If you found that, was my it God, more you're active? Yeah, exactly. You're calling me all the time, guys. This is, really isn't the reserves. <laughs> it became more for me at that point about uh, per dignitary protection and hmm. a local. So we have local investigations of sensitive, you know, sexual assault, homicide, anything that w had potential to be major felony. It became more police oriented. Okay. If that transitions, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, I think so. I was, just, I was just curious if they they kept you in your unit or they just put you into a generic uh, MOS style thing and and you know you just lived your life as a reservist. 
What's the reserve yeah. again? What is it? One weekend a month, two weeks a year or something? That Isn't was that the, the commitment, but it became more quite frequently. Okay. I think we, so we were still assigned as individual agents. So let's say, let me give you a scenario. Let's say we have a, so in my, in California, there's a defense language institute, which teaches if you are a foreign national soldier or a soldier in the military, you are, you, there's a need for you to learn another language. You are assigned there and immersed in that culture so that you learn the languages and the customs. So you can be, if you're, if you're uh, an intelligence agent, you can be assigned to an area and you'll fit, right? Okay. So when we, when I was assigned here in California to my reserve unit, there were oftentimes criminal activities that occurred within those units. Uh, with foreign national soldiers, often uh, there was several homicides, sexual assaults, kidnap, rape. Yeah, oh my pretty, God. M- most Stuff you, you don't hear about. Well, yeah, that's the general that, population doesn't hear about. That, then I did my job well. Yeah, exactly. No, no, exactly. I mean, that, well, that's my. So the yeah. job was to prosecute and make sure that it didn't happen again without it becoming in the news. All right. Becoming a news item. Wow. If that, yeah. So it, it was interesting. So it's pretty interting, actually, when you was. So I, I oh, man, I, I. One of the reasons I, I love this podcast, so me talking, I, I, I'm You feel like you're, you you're missing talking. us, I, but we're like, we're, it's such the opposite right now. We're oh, like, yeah. we want to listen I'm to like, your show like, every Jack, week. Shut up. Let them keep going. <laughs> yeah, like, like so, I got a thousand questions for you that I feel like I can't, I, I never want to bother you on Xbox. And, and, and we could talk about this now on the podcast, is that uh, I... I, I love like I, I I love playing with you in particular because we you know obviously me and you and and, and uh, Labravo over there have a great rapport and we can talk when we game and I, but I feel like every one every time we're playing I'm like I want to sneak in when no one else is in the lobby with us to go like okay dude you gotta tell me more stories right <laughs> you gotta so, t- so how many necks have you snapped yeah because like, like I don't <laughs> I, I don't want to bring that up with the other group of people we're typically playing with because you know it's a it's a variety of people and I don't want to put you on the spot to be like well I didn't want you're like that sniping person to a guy know. from the other side of the map and you're like eh, I bet he's done that exactly <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly you're like uh, you know <laughs> and, well, and, well Jack I lo- first off I love is there I think in their group, there's actually people who don't play Call of Duty. Is that what I understand? Just Jason. Jason, well, Jason has Sean, played it, and uh, I've abandoned it. To be honest with you, Sinister, I uh, I am so terrible. Like when I get get in and play with other people, I am so bad. It's just not fun. So I abandoned it. But it just comes with practice. I get that. The we're not, we're not all, yeah, there it's are not games. There are games that require no practice and are exponentially right. more it's, fun. It's, oh, so you're lazy. He's not. It's not worth the energy to play with his friends online. This is another story altogether that we here's, can get here's going. Here's what we can do: is we can bring Sinister back on a time when he doesn't have to just talk about himself. We could bring him back. Oh, abso- absolutely, and I'm sure. I'm sure. You'd but love continue to be here. talking about yourself. Okay. <laughs> right. Where did we end up at? We ended up at police force. Back to narcissism. Yeah, a, a, exactly. Yeah. So you, so you were so, part okay, of this oh, special you know, terrorist. Where yeah. I was going, I think, before I interrupted myself, was. <laughs> So if you show up to the, a language institute or any immersion s- situation, and let's say that they're learning Farsi or a, a language that we might be in a combat theater with, mm-hmm. there are foreign nationals who are also from there, and you show up, they are not allowed to speak to you in native English. None. Of, no. Why, why is that? Because they're in an immersion situation where for six months to eight months to ten months— they live as if they were in 
country, wherever they're going. And that makes sense to me because I think if you, a person would would probably learn a foreign language, foreign customs faster if they were required to not fall back on their own customs, their own language. For sure. Oh, and, absolutely. Yeah. Can, can I just say how frustrating as an investigator it is? Oh, because not only are they, they live in these housing units where they live local customs. So they sleep on the floor. They eat on the floor. The food is local. So, so they're hating life. <laughs> and they love in it. retrospect. I, I don't know if it's a brainwash. <laughs> they seem to love it. And they won't break character. So, you know, th- so you know that this potential person you're talking to has a hillbilly accent from Alabama. You know this, and you're talking to him, and you're like, seriously, <laughs> dude, stop. I get the Farsi act. I need you to speak to me in English. Right. Yeah, or you have somebody's last name is N-G-U-Y-E-N, and he's speaking to you in Farsi. And you're like, really? Okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. I think it is— I love to hear that, by the way, with an Alabama accent and Farsi. <laughs> it's— I'll tell you what, it is very frustrating. And but here's part of the thing. So my graduate work was in forensic psychology. And so there is a certain level of dissociation that occurs when you can tra- take your life, put it aside, and live in a different headspace. Yeah. Like okay? a- like acting, right? Like some method actors have to go through that same kind of a deal. Well, that's what method acting is. Exactly yeah. Well, and I bet is. you lose a lot of the ability to judge someone's voice when they're speaking in a language, a different language that they don't necessarily know 100%, and you're huh. you're losing a lot of the ability to read them that way. Very insightful. Yeah, and, that and, is. That's ex- there are so many cues that are not native to the person. Yeah. So how to read those? Okay, so they are also dissociate, <laughs> dissociated from their true life. And so what it does is it's changed their moral and character compass. Huh. So now you get wow. criminal activity that this person probably, if you talk to everybody in their life, is totally aberrant behavior. But huh. it's a byproduct of this dissociative phase of immersion that occurs. And to, you know, obviously to prevent it from from too, looking too deeply into it, I think um, the military is very careful in who they select because they don't want it to be a problem. But what happens is, is you have significant. So if you can dissociate from uh, who you are as a person and how you speak, how you think, how you dream, then maybe you know having sex with a 15-year-old or 14-year-old or kidnapping a kid and leaving them buried in the wilderness is. Not that much of a stretch. To me and you, now that seems <laughs> wow. shockingly strong. Like those, that kind you're, of criminal if, activity if seems... Wow, that If I understand you correctly, I, you're, I you're, you're, from with you're kind of saying crazy. that uh, like a person can detach themselves so much from their own lives mm. and believe in this... In this alter ego, if you will, yeah, almost kind of create this like alter persona that they've forgotten so much about their own lives they can actually set aside their own morality... Yes, that's, that's a ex- fascinating and, concept to me. And they've re- and so that's, not only yeah. can they, they have to to be successful. They have to be able to dissociate from who they are. Isn't because that, let's is, say you go in country, okay? Let's say you're assigned to a a Republican Guard unit, and you're a soldier who's been assigned to infiltrate this unit and provide intelligence back for the states. If you have any tell. If you have anything, I don't know. Did you see what is yeah, the um, Glorious Bastards where the guy yeah. says with his fingers wrong? Yeah, yeah. right. Counts, counts the wrong way. Yeah, little things will get you dead. And so to prevent that, there's this immersion program, especially in the high end units, that 
Wow. Uh, I'm just curious. Are they, are they, and I, I, obviously I don't know how much you can talk about this, but I, I, I guess in my head, I had always just put that at a CIA level that they looked for individuals who they felt fit that bill could become that person potentially didn't have much to lose anyways. I never had really thought of it though, from a general military kind of unit that they would put people into that role. I don't know that your assumptions are incorrect. Fair, fair enough. We can leave it at that. Fair, fair, fair enough. I, but I, well, we work with, uh, you know, Jay, to go into something, we work with a guy whose father, oh, we can talk about this, my, my understanding, who who was in the CIA all of his life. Um, and uh, it, it's very interesting to hear stories from him talking about his father growing up and what, what they went through as a family with his father. His father for the CIA wasn't undercover like that, my understanding, but worked on satellite systems and stuff for CIA. But mm-hmm. it was still very interesting to hear his stories. And uh, and even the recruiting process where they went to our friend when he got out of high school to recruit him as well. And then that friend talking to me later on at a lunch saying, oh, they would have loved you, but for different reasons than they loved me. Right. And I was like, what? Yeah. And he goes, your personality works in a lot of scenarios that they like. And it, and it got me really thinking about who they nowadays probably really look for for certain kinds of, uh, let's call them roles which right. I'm sure you're familiar with. Uh, it just, in what you're talking about now, I mean, me and Jason's face are like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can I can completely understand, like method acting to me makes sense. Like you get into the head of another person, right? And this, this to me is an, an association with that. Like you can get into a different alter ego, a different role. I think the thing that's interesting to me is that it goes so far as to you're not just stepping into a different like personality type or a different way of thinking. You're actually setting aside the core parts of what make you a human being. It's almost like you're literally setting aside your personality. Like it's hard for me to, to think I could set aside my morality or my faith mm. maybe. And to, to be able to like, hey, set that aside and completely believe that I'm this other thing. Like that's an interesting it's almost like I'm choosing to be a completely different personality. That's for people who are like, aren't remorseful about killing, aren't remorseful about this. And it's like you put them to a lie detector test and they will pass it. Yeah. They will pass it 100% because they believe <clears throat> Excuse me, that that is the reality. I, I think Sinister, though, brought up the biggest point to me in that scenario is that at the end of the day, though, your life... Well, at some point, your life's on the line it's, if it's, you drop character. Yeah. It's more than your point. life. It's It's the duty of it. It's well, potentially it's other life, people you yeah. put on the line too, because yeah, yeah. If they, the if they figure your out unit. right. You're not you're not who you say they are. They figure that out. God, well, I was about to say God only knows, but I go sinister only knows what they really do to you when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and it, it got me thinking. What you just said there, uh, Jay, was the fact that I a situation I would think in my head. Say they put you in a they 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 immerse you. You get out of that immersion, and then they want to put you really in with that. And they put you in a group, say, in Uganda, who's part of a hit squad. Mm. At what point, though, do you end up where they, you have people telling you, you need to kill these civilians? Now, you're surrounded by your other, let's call them friends. Mm-hmm. I, can, you break, I, can you break your moral compass and go, oh my, how am I going to get out of not shooting these people? I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could do that. But here's the thing. I, I do not know... I'm unable to tell you certainly if I could set that aside. But here's the thing. Right, here Maybe right. that instantly means I'm the wrong kind of person for this. <laughs> well, and I'm you know sure, I mean? Sinister, please like maybe, go into your psych profile. Yeah, I'm sure exactly. they I'm sure they uh I'm sure that's part of, I'm well you went through all the stuff, so I'm sure that's part of that that they 
they try to find a person who can, I don't even know how they would find a person who fits that mold. This is the brilliance of the show. So, right. I, you know, I, this is exactly where I was going. I think, so Jack, when you said, said that, um, let's see, could you set it aside and could you train? What they do is they select people who are, so you know how hypnosis works on people who are susceptible to hypnosis. Yeah. Right. So that there is a certain personality type that is able to dissociate easier than others. Other people, whether it's the way that they're genetically coded or the way that they're raised, have a set personality. They have um, individuated enough to that a transition to another personality type would be difficult or impossible. There are some who are more blank slate, as it were. So to say, <laughs> or, or what a good way of saying it be like to say people are more not blank slate, but more comfortable being chameleons, like more comfortable being like reinventing themselves. Right. Yeah. That I think that's probably even a better, better analogy. I think that there is a certain person and, and, and you know, God bless them. <laughs> I, know, when you yeah, say, that's... could you put my, so in my position, uh, in the jobs that I've done, my personality as type is very rigid and necessarily so because there are certain situations where I'm with very high profile, very wealthy people who are being arrested and there are opportunities for gifts or, you know, <laughs> perks, if you will, yeah. perks to <laughs> overlook certain transgressions. And so for me, it, there are personality types and part of the testing and vetting process is that the my individuation process was such that it passed the level where I I would not be in a good immersion candidate. Mm, okay, that's interesting because I, I I was thinking of my my child and maybe this is where Alan was getting at a bit and I hadn't thought about it at the time in our conversation was that I from the way I was raised and how my family moved consistently I was usually forced to be a chameleon. And I've had friends of every kind of walk of life, every kind, <clears throat> and that I felt like I was into that. And it got me thinking of what you were saying right now, Sister, about that and going, okay, I, I could find that I would probably, I could fit that bill probably pretty easy. And I could even do the method acting part. What gets me, though, is more what Jason's saying. <clears throat> I, I don't know, though, when it would come down to the moral side, no matter how much I had immersed myself, <coughs> could I follow through with that? Because I could play like, the role. Like, what? yeah, yeah. It's one thing to be able to go in and say, like, Haha, I can talk the talk and I can look scary, but could you set aside the core things that make you who you are? Well, there was, and I don't know if any of you guys saw this, the the sniper that returned from Afghanistan, this was not too long ago, and he was on... Uh, Xbox, yeah. his name some, was X-Sinister. <laughs> some show on CNN, I'm yeah, sure, like that. the, uh, the, the Bill O'Reilly show. The one writing the book with yeah. the most confirmed yeah, yeah, kills. Yeah. Yeah. Like, when he yeah. asked him how he, go, you know, because, like, I'm just going to throw out the number, say it's, like, 97. It's like, you've shot 97 people and killed them it's just like what do you have to do to be able to take that and he said i have to imagine them as monsters they were monsters they were they weren't people they weren't people no, exactly, exactly. He, they were my enemy they were these monsters these these things and that's the only way that he could and, and i'm sure he's kind of maybe saying that to, to take up the camp you know to, to not paint himself as <laughs> such a malicious monster or anything like that and i'm not calling him one whatsoever so i don't want that to come across um but, yeah, you also have to sit there and go, like, you know. That's a different scenario, though, than me being immersed with this Uganda hit squad where I'm standing there with these guys. With totally. And, no, and I, if I, I don't do what, what they're say. doing, I'm about to get shot myself. And it's funny that you say, Jack, when you, that you kind of grew up, you know, 
having to be a chameleon by the nature of how you grew up. I, I was very much the opposite. I have been, I swear to you, this personality since I, since I was four years old. And I, I, like, I think that's probably what it is. Like, I do not honestly know if I could set aside, like, these core fundamental things. Like, if you, in that situation, if I was faced, like, okay, the immersion is kill this civilian to be, to officially be a part of this thing, you know, to be fully immersed or not, I don't, I don't think I could do it. I don't know. I, but that's the thing. They find in, in Sinister, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, they're looking for potential the person in that scenario who can do it. Right. That's right, interesting. So let, can I give you a hypothetical? Sure. So sure. There is a hypo, there's a question given to candidates in special operations units. And this is one of the older questions. And, and just challenge yourself with it. I think this scenario, imagine yourself, you've been deployed overseas and you are hunting a courier that is coming from a head of Al-Qaeda who there is guaranteed information in this pack that he has that is leading to the whereabouts of a nuclear weapon that has been smuggled into the United States. Okay, you're a part of an operation de uh, detachment unit and you're deployed on this road. You're hiding in a, uh, a cave-like area and on your second day, waiting for this courier to approach, a young boy approaches the cave, shepherding a, a flock of sheep. Now, the young boy sees you, and you know that there is a Republican Guard base not more than a half a mile away from where you're at. You know the courier is due in less than eight hours. The boy turns and starts yelling that there are American commandos in his country help 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 <laughs> i knew you and you have a this. rifle <laughs> what do you do are you the only one there you are with your detachment okay and so you have sergeant. you have a unit with you yes and usually odas are four to six people i here's, here's i i have an answer but but jason please I, i'd love to hear yours well, here, ultimately like i like to approach something like this logically and i like to say if you cut it down to numbers you're talking about ultimately the life of this young shepherd boy versus potentially the life of millions, tens of millions of Americans. First of all, I honest, honestly do not know if I could kill a, kill well, a boy. Well, with the religious but, aspect, I love that it's a shepherd boy. <laughs> I, I just want to throw that out there. Sinister, thank you for pointing that's that one pretty, out. That's, that's going to, that's going to, that, that but, digs a little deep to Jason. But, um, I, you know, this kind of comes down to the core. Uh, core fundamental concept of utilitarianism, right? Like Jeremy Bentham kind of created this idea that's really mainstream and its main form is the greatest good for the greatest number of people, right? I, you People would even argue that current, that democracy, the current, um, it, the current ev evolution of democracy in America is, is, a, is a form of utilitarianism. Was that Bentham or was that Spock? <laughs> I love that you went long, Spock. Yeah, he's doing long. the hand motion right now. So I'm five five. So <laughs> what's touche, my friend? What's interesting is if you like, like literally look at it as just a scale, just numbers. Is the life of one boy worth? Is saving the life of one boy worth saving tens of millions or, or killing tens and of millions? And to you, I, you can't do it. I, but I don't think that's the full question. That's why all, I have it, a different answer. So. But I mean, that's kind of where my brain went with it. But to to be honest, like, I don't know if I can tell you. I could tell you what I think I might do, which is I I I don't think I could kill a shepherd boy. 
I, I don't know if there's another option in this. <laughs> no, this is my. I have other options. Your could you, two could, options are. I'm gonna go he very is at logical. A distance, you have to rifle him, or you have to let him go. Bug out. Oh, okay. Now, yeah, you, you now you're like, getting what I was gonna ask you. Okay, those are like those are it. Him. Those are it. That's it. My okay, because I was gonna go a step further and go gag the him. The fact, no, no, well, that obviously is one. I was gonna say first, I would obviously gag him and contain him with one of the soldiers till we got the the mission done or we were about to go on the mission. Two, the next thing was gonna be like if I'm firing a rifle at distance and he's and I'm worried about his yelling. Sure as hell, in any kind of atmosphere where I'm waiting in a cave, they're gonna hear me fire a rifle. And this is just okay, the logical so, side of so me. So that's a great point. And that's just part of a scenario, exactly. So now that you brought that up, I can continue with part of it. Every operational detachment unit is assigned one rifleman with a silenced twenty-two, and that is to take out. <laughs> Damn you, sinister! Damn saying, there's you. always a uh, exactly. small animal, there's... snakes. Okay, so I can take out sheep. Does anybody? Did anybody bring uh, in their uniforms their sheep costume? Did that <laughs> was that standard issue? I can't remember. I their acme. I acme I, I have I have to be honest. I okay. Now that Jason's an, uh, now that Sinister's answered this this question to me, uh, I I yeah I'd have to put him down. You you could make the decision to end the life of a person because of the possibility that tens of millions of Americans could. I'm die. gonna go past that. I'm gonna go for and this is just my understanding of what I know it, it, this is what's so funny doing what I do because there's such a side of me for so many years wanting to be what Jason, you know, what Sinister has done with his life. I wanted to do that. So I spent so much time researching. The the brotherhood that needs to come with the unit you're typically with in those scenarios, past even the millions, I probably my mind this is how messed up I'd be at the time, my mind probably wouldn't go to the millions. My mind would go to the team who's behind me in the cave that I potentially am at risking all our team. Oh, so like if the boy escaped and went and told the guard, we're going to get a whole Republican guard yelling and then people start charging at you. Not only did you risk this, you've risked then your team at that moment. We're we're potentially going to die. Not to mention what could potentially the nuclear fallout happen. I mean, that's a whole other way to take it. But I'm, I'm in my head. I'm like, I just risked our whole team over this boy. I, I think it's these types know. of situations which have led me away from the military. There's no good <laughs> answer. No, I, and I think there's that, but I think probably from the perspective of what they're pa- no, past no what they're looking answer. for in an answer, yes. there is no easy answer. Yes. But what they are looking for in somebody moving forward with that is that is potentially the answer I'm giving. And uh, am I am I wrong, sensor, or, or are they looking for the guy who's not going to shoot him? Oh, can I answer what really happened? This is a real event that occurred. Okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, please. Yeah. So what really happened is this is. This is the question that was given and is still given to special operations uh, individuals and soldiers in a psych profile interview. And there really is no right answer. What they want to see is the process that if you're going to go and say, dude, I'm going to freaking smoke the little rat. Right. (laughs) They don't want that. I want to point out I didn't go there first. (laughs) And they don't want someone who's going to say, oh, I just couldn't do it. No way. There's no way. Nothing could convince me anything different. What they want to see is the wrestling because they don't want people out there smoking kids. You know, I mean, you look in recent events. There's a soldier that went out. You're given very powerful weapons and you're put in very powerful positions. They want to see the process. So what really happened, this was uh, reminiscent of a situation, I don't know if you've heard of the movie or the book, Bravo 2-0, uh, SAS, Special I, Air Service, Special I, Operations no, Unit. I haven't. For, you want to catch us up on 
that a bit, or is it basically what the story is you're talking it's about? It's the it, it's it's reference to that story. So Bravo Two Zero was is reference to a special operations unit out of the United Kingdom, SAS unit that was assigned to uh, retrieve some information, and they were holed up in a wadi, which is a like cave-like depression in Iraq. And during their time, they were discovered by a young shepherd boy who was out there with sheep. And they had to make the choice. Now, at the time, it was early on, and it was still when they were firing the Scud missiles, you know, and so that they were, there was thought that there were chemical weapons, uh, biological, nuclear, radiological weapons. So this was all in their mind. And... Pardon me. So they and they also thought that these Scud missiles or that these missiles were going to be launched at not only Israel but uh, other fellow soldiers. They made the decision when this boy approached them and came on. They they bugged out. They let him go. Hmm. They didn't shoot him. And in that story, it is a fantastic book. It talks about um, there only one of them got away. One and uh, a soldier named Andy McNabb was held captive and tortured for. Uh, a very long time. Chris Ryan is the one that escaped. He escaped, I think he, um, I don't know, like 200 miles across desert, escaped on foot, and and the rest of them died uh, because of that. And the information was lost, and we don't know what it led to or what them getting the information that would have prevented. But it was a real-life scenario that occurred, and so people were faced with that and so that they faced you know with the new soldiers now that that they're faced with that and that's really to determine what psychological makeup who you are what uh, let me ask you this prior to knowing that had they and i'm sure maybe you did get asked that what what was your take hmm (laughs) you know and even more so now we all have most of us in here have kids including yourself Right. So I'm sure your your thought process has changed now. Half of us in here. Fifty yeah, percent. Well, <laughs> well, th- we have more because Sinister has some. <laughs> All right. So like, I mean, Damn. I'm sure I'm sure your take is maybe even different now, but I, I'm curious even then what it would have been. I wouldn't shoot, hmm. even if it meant sacrificing my life. I think for me, there is this level of what is important now, you know. And yeah, there is this potential that there might be some radiological bomb out there. There might be this information that might be invaluable, but the fact is there might be another way that that can occur. And what, whatever that is, what I'm faced with now is this boy in front of me. I don't know that I have the ability to deprive him of the gift of life. I don't, I don't know that I have that. So I, well, I found that I, I actually, I, from positions you've held, I, I find that, yeah, that's interesting. That's really interesting because what happened to that unit you described right now was was my biggest fear that I'm I've now especially if you're the only one I, that made I, it out. Well, it, well, yeah, exactly. I, I was hoping Sinister was going to go another way with the story. Like it, <laughs> they they got away, and it was it was you know, hey, we should have let him go, but it's it's it turned into more what I was scared of that this whole unit got pretty much wiped out. Yes, hmm. I I love in my head the scenario where I can actually just capture him. Yeah, <laughs> I, I got to be honest. That 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 was my first. Just so you all know, that was my first thought process. Can we it, detain him? I'm gonna go ahead and say that in your mind, you pulled out a Hershey's candy bar and waved it in front of him, and he exactly. came towards you. Yes, baby Ruth. No, no, no. Seriously, by the scruff of the neck. You're, you're, I, you're making fun of the scenario. <laughs> you said, "Don't make me shoot a sheep." <laughs> I would have threatened a sheep if that's what it took to keep. I because I let me point this out. I would not have shot him first. I was not the scenario of 
I'm gonna smoke this fool. It was. That's not what I. Can heard. I? Can, exactly, <laughs> exactly, citizen. It's no. It's detaining. I and I'm sure in in their. Well, maybe it wasn't. I'm not sure in the book. Does he actually come up to them in the book, or was he at distance the whole time? Oh boy, you're relying on it. Remember, I'm a member of the old timers clan. <laughs> uh. Fair enough. I just in that scenario, that's where I would have went first. I would have detained him and held him until we figured out what was going on, but. I yeah I'm I'm not sure how they train. I mean, do they train you, sinister in general though to, to be able to put him down? That's a psychological thing though. First, that's not a training thing. Well, I mean, it's got to be part of it though, right? On how to take him down, but not the morally, you know. They want to train they you on know, how to. No, 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 no. That's just that's that's going to a firing range. What I'm talking about is past. If you've made it past the point of the psychological test of you, you through all these scenarios, which I think from what sinister saying is what they want to hear. You try to break it down in scenario style to get to the point. But I'm sure at the end of it, though, I, I think they need to know, especially after this story, they need to know, can you do that? It, here's a question. Is it, and this is maybe just beating a little on the dead horse, is the scenario, are they saying that you're the like commanding officer ordering one of your other team to do it? Oh, that's a good question, Or are you too. doing it? Yeah, that is a great question. But the fact of the matter is you're, you are, the question is postulated as you are the decision maker. Okay. Whether okay. or you're not, you're the commander. So in an operational de- That's detachment, what I mean. like you're the decision maker. each person has the right for independent thought. So it's not a typical military unit. So if you are an observation post and you are compromised and you have to break your silence and engage an opponent or an enemy... At that point, that's your decision. There's no command decision. So you're a decision maker. What, regardless of the scenario, if you are the one with the 22 rifle, it's your job. Yeah. Well, for for the sake of time, let's let's move on to like so so you so you're part of this in the military unit. So where did that lead you? This is the reserve unit. Yeah, I mean, well, uh, no, you were and you were a police officer. You were in the reserves. So that's from right. the police officer, where did that leave you? Lead you? So, you know, I think I addressed some of the things I did in law enforcement. And wow, you know, even if we just hang out sometime and talk, there are some very cool things in metropolitan cities, you know, dealing with the Hell's Angels and dealing with gangs and Absolutely. Speaking of which, and homicides. Speaking just, of which, let's kind of, throw out on Sinister's channel, he has a Castro story. District. He has a YouTube uh, or he has a, a video up of uh, a great story that took place. Uh, on Hell's his, Angels on, on were actually part of my uh, Inventura. Where I grew up too. There's a chapter. There's all over the place. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm curious, kind of what what led you then? Like, what what's the the missing steps between current job and and the police force where you were? And then I have another question for you after that. So an entry into a barricaded suspect led me to turn a corner. At which point he destroyed my knee. And wow. so at that point, I was medically retired. And in the um, metropolitan department that I was in, you had a year to recover. And I probably recovered to about 80%. I don't think you're ever the same. Hmm. After someone destroys your knee, it's kind of like, like just you know. completely shot. Did you need a knee replacement? Yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, several wow. surgeries. Wow. Not, not a re- I was too young for a replacement, but that's where it would go eventually. Or that's where that's supposed to go. But, it's going to uh, go. That's yeah. tough. You're going to lose your knee. 
Just FYI. <laughs> no, hopefully not. Th- yeah. thank, thanks, Josh. <laughs> wow. Just just to bring a shining light on the subject. You, you really went dark. Exactly. You're going <laughs> to die. Hey, Josh, your shoulder sucks. Exactly. Spoiler alert, you're going to die alone. So uh, can I just, can, okay, can I do a footnote really quick? Yeah, so sure. I, for the first several shows, I you know, and Jack can attest to this, I was so worried about Josh. I was so concerned. Like that he was handicapped. I thought he is one of the brightest most articulate people that I've that I've talked to, I he is what it, I think he's suffering my little mini strokes during the episodes. <laughs> he he's, told me this serious. He asked me, he goes, is 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 does he have problems? Is he okay? Does he have he, he's kind of special, that right? Brilliant. You know? Short bus special. Exactly. Yay. Or is he really drunk every episode? Exactly. That's what he asked me. Put a microphone in front of him. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's awesome. awesome. So, so you had, you know, you came back a year later, eighty percent, and you thought to yourself, "That's still not where you want to be." Yeah, I, I at that point, I wasn't. There was no way I was chasing anybody over fences anymore. So, <laughs> to be in any unit in the department I was in, you have to be ready for the street because you are required to. There, you have to be ready at all times. I mean, that's just the list. The the standard that you have to maintain. And so because I wasn't at that standard, uh, I was medically retired. And at which point I was picked up by several or recruited by several companies because of my background in the military um, to work for there's, you know, a couple billionaires that had, uh, you know, issues with um, Teamsters and then other notable personalities that you would be aware of. And none, then my none, current none, situation. None, none, none of which during that time you can name. Uh, so are we safe now to talk about them? <laughs> Let's just say I have one a of which of you maybe is not. Yeah, one one of which who's not around anymore. Can we talk about him? <laughs> we can. You know, I have a lot of Apple products. So let's just say that. yes, because <laughs> that's the one that interests most of us. Because yes. because at that point of the job, I'm sure perks were okay. <laughs> Oh, yeah, so you, you had an iPhone <laughs> yeah. before I anyone else. <laughs> I need to be careful where I tread. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So we exactly. don't want to so, uh, push that subject too much. There are certain people in certain situations who have very strong personalities and are not always. <laughs> so, so, Jack, you brought up a great scenario where the president is held by Secret Service. They hold him on his belt and they're able to move him. I, yeah, and that was something it, I had no idea about till they had sort of went into it. I, I was blown away by that. Wait, say this again? Oh, you missed it. Did that. you listen to the episode? Go well, listen I, to the episode. I told you I don't listen to the episode. <laughs> well, I'll, 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 I'll let Sinister, yeah. Sinister catch him up on sort of what I was talking about. So in, it, so part of, so Jack, to be a little bit more clear on that subject, they well, very rarely, so there's, there's this war that occurs in protective service and in the principal's life. How The more that the protective service agents get their way, the less the principal <laughs> gets a life. And the more life the principal has, the less the protective service agents get their way. So there's this inherent battle <laughs> that, that occurs. That was part of the show. The one guy said it, very blatantly with a straight face, he goes, if we could keep him in the White House the entire time, we would. <laughs> make <her laughs> and, and there was no smirk. Right. There was no smile. He was dead serious. It would make their job so much easier. That's what he said. Yeah, for sure. And so there is oftentimes in a certain situation where you might actually put hands on the principal to direct him. So let's say they each principal carries a certain type of a belt structure or loop on their back that you is, you're able to grab as an agent and move them in a wow. situation that would require that. That's awesome. But 
It was on rope lines. They talked about presidents who are on oh. these lines uh, during campaign time greeting. Yeah. That one followed behind him with his hand on his belt. That if he caught wind, he could pull him away from the crowd instantly. Oh. You have to be able to articulate a specific reason that that is necessary. Because he, spe- he made it sound like it did. He made it sound like the president. Not a standard he, operating oh, okay, procedure. okay. Because he made it sound like the president's just trust. He's a puppet. We go noodles. Yeah. And they yank. <laughs> <laughs> Code word noodles. <laughs> Listen to a man they hated. To every, okay, okay. Every principal that I've ever dealt with hates oh, anything sure. to do with security. That's, that's I mean, how I think thought about too. this. They're very powerful people, and to yeah. admit that they're weak in an area or vulnerable, kind of begins to wear on their psyche. So there's this this. And this this war that occurs. So you, a lot of it happens behind the scenes. So you say, wear this belt. It's a strong belt. If we have to use it as a tourniquet, but in reality, it's the belt you'll grab that won't break. <laughs> right, right, right. Right. So and I'm sure, ever, and I'm sure you guys that's just use the maybe like uh, like I got like a ninety pound pit bull and I have a big choker chain. <laughs> And I can really yank on that, and it doesn't break. So, so just, something like that. I, I what I find interesting the story though is the difference between what a president probably knows he's going to go through, and potentially somebody like Sinister's dealt with who's just a billionaire. Because then I'm sure the billionaire's head, I can buy all of you. So what do you do? A president knows his life's threatened every second. The billionaire's just like, what? It is what? different. Yeah, is different and that's because, my. I would. You think. know, Jack, that's really very, very insightful. I, I'll <laughs> tell you, it has to do with your culture. So if you're enculturated in this area where you're around security professionals, you're behind bulletproof glass, you're in a motorcade that has all the bells and whistles, you have uh, anti-air missiles on top of the house you live in, then there is this culture of acceptance that okay, there is a certain risk and protection necessary for this position. In corporate world, none of that or very little of that is part of the culture. In fact, you're typically surrounded by a lot of yes people. No, you don't need that. Oh, I don't need security. You're right. You don't need a lot of security. Where the prince, the president might say to his secretary of defense, I don't need security. And he says, well, you're an asshole. <laughs> well, that's, a, that's a, well, exactly. That's what I heard. I, I heard nowadays that, that was the one security, another straight face. He's like, we don't care. He goes, he can ask us not to. Well, because that was, I, to, I told you guys in the last show, JFK who said, I don't want you on the four corners. I don't want you by, and they, needless to say, they don't do that anymore. <laughs> this doesn't work right, well so for us. A sad part. story with that is a lot of those agents had a lot of difficulty. In fact, I think there were suicides and loss of jobs, loss of careers, even though they did everything that they were asked to do. That's and I think horrible. that was the that was a, an additional tragedy that's often overlooked. And I think that that drives a lot of the security protocols that are in place now, with the principal's knowledge and without it. Hmm. So I'm gonna. I'm going to put you on the spot here for a second, Sinister, and, and ask you to share a ridiculous story. Now, I want to caveat that don't name names, don't tell us anything, but name, uh, tell us a ridiculous story from the corporate world. Something that happened regarding, you, you know, involving you as just ridiculous. And the code word will be noodles. <laughs> so just that's in the safe corporate world. Oklahoma, Oklahoma. <laughs> I mean noodles. Oh, God. So, so in the corporate world, Whiskey. Now, I Whiskey. have stories. So you've kind of put a limit on this. So <laughs> I want no limits. Let's take this back. I'm going to caveat Jason. I just don't. And want, I want no let limits. Me go, <laughs> okay. There, let me go here quickly then because I'll, I'll kind of as a rock skipping, we'll, I'll touch on a couple and then you can kind of we can dig into one that interests you. So in the corporate world, there's less. it's less sexy because there's less – yeah. Um, go- anti-government. <laughs> There's not uh, other government involvement. Uh, it's more 
corporate businessman and corporate businessman and then the rogue employee, the zebra that's, you know, lost his jobs coming in and wants to take it out on the boss. That's typically what you're dealing with. And then corporate espionage. Mm. So people infiltrating that, that type of thing. So those are the things you're typically dealing with in corporate world. So the things that might be um, delicate to deal with is, you know, maybe visits in a hotel late at night and then maybe a spouse shows up and those typically throw them out the window to the four stories pool below violence, that you've tested the violence depths. occurs you know, so. that's wow. that's where i was going to go with where you were saying i i was more curious about cases where maybe there you were in scenarios thing. that you just didn't – that had nothing to do with actual security. You just felt very uncomfortable being there. Exactly. Jacuzzi full of Pepto-Bismol <laughs> and noodles. <laughs> Real noodles or safety word noodles? <laughs> I don't know if this quite hits it, but I, let me tell you a story where I realized how little or small of a person I was and how big Big Brother is. Let's do it. There, so – I was part of this mission, this NATO mission, the 50th anniversary of NATO, where they completely shut down um, Washington, D.C. They completely shut it down on a 25-mile radius. So there were three perimeters, three circle perimeters. On the inside, only principles and dignitary protections were allowed, and secondary were uh, operational units, and then third were police units, and then the fourth, general public. So there were rings. So we had every head of state and their secretary of defense and secretary of state flown in from all of NATO. Okay. Wow. So th this was a... A who's who of the world. The desk that they used to have their conference in was a $38,000 a day rental. <laughs> for, for the desk? desk? Did it give handies underneath it? like, and, <laughs> and, and then hand out $100 bills after? Like, what did it do? I'm paying Where you. Where did you rent that to... thing? I, I, yeah, that's my point. <laughs> Who's handing? Who has that? I'll rent my desk for significantly less. <laughs> Jason, 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 keep mental note. We need to make a big desk. Exactly. I could buy IKEA desks and sell it to them for a lot less than thirty-eight grand. Like, I mean, I'd do like five grand. Thirty-eight k shit burgers. Yeah, it was amazing. I think the wood had been on some famous, you know, the Constitution. <laughs> yeah. Oh Jesus! Something or other. The I don't Santa know. Maria. They Columbus? went to space. What yeah. did Columbus no come idea. over in? <laughs> <laughs> it was the made out of, okay, so, it was made out so, of wood planks. So that go ahead. So we were. Uh, I was eating lunch with a detachment of presidential snipers. Now these <laughs> are you in the second. Are you in God, the second? The stories room? is so that, fucking so cool. That is the I'm title so of a book. What that should you, be the title <laughs> of a book. What were you eating? <laughs> Noodles. Okay, so oh, okay. Well, apply. Okay, talk about tangent. So, <laughs> what ring are you in? Are you in the? Are you in the first ring or the second the ring? There are tunnels and there are entire cities, okay? So we were under one of the buildings that are painted white, D.C. That's where I'll go. And <laughs> I know exactly what That is an awesome way now. to describe that. There is a special cafeteria for special units to have that Down, have underneath. access to vehicles. and. It's like other. Disney World hey, in the tunnels. You guys with hear? presidential snipers. Hey, I'm a really, really going to let him get through this. Did you know that I've been in one of these tunnels? Not the sniper tunnels. No joke. Seriously? Seriously. We'll have to go back into that. I'm sure you and Sinister can share war stories. So <laughs> the ceilings are really low and there's lots of pipes, right? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> really low. And you don't have to walk everywhere. Right. Very true. God damn it. I'm damn you both. <laughs> yeah, yo. What's up? All right, hey, Sinister, because I'm right, just finish your story. I'm finish sorry. Finish your story. Yeah. yeah. So what was for lunch? 
though. Oh, I don't remember. <laughs> Probably at that That's point, Adam being an ass. Or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cobbler? I was going to say cobbler, too. We've done like six tangents in a row here. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. So we were eating, and at that point, we had a call-out for we. there had been a hit on one of... Hmm. <laughs> I was about to say, I thought we lost there him. A, there had been some information that we had received that there might be some type of radiological material in the area. Whoa. Okay. Nice. So it's it, it, very common. It occurs, but it has to be checked out. Okay. So, uh, I was on, so I was with the team, and we went out, and... It turned out to be some medical waste, not, not a big deal, um, but just a, a bag that had been left and it had sparked interest in some technology that exists that is there for that reason. So <laughs> sparked we, interest. <laughs> we, as we're as I'm standing there, I looked over my shoulder, and in this sterile environment. Now you have to imagine if you've ever been in D.C. This is there's people everywhere, right? In cars. There is nothing. Think ghost town. There's nobody moving because it's been completely corned off and sanitized. Wow. Shit. And at this point, just just for this medical waste? No, no, no. For no, this is for the, the whole event. Oh, okay, for, okay, okay. Right. Okay. So, at this point, so I'm standing uh, below the uh, Washington Monument, and it, there's nobody. You can't. There's nobody you can see. Did it, just, did it look like the end of the world? Like nobody's it's, there it's, but you? It, it was. It was eerie. Right. And I remember turning and looking over my shoulder, and on the corner was sitting a homeless man. <laughs> <laughs> Who had it made was, it through all that somehow? Apparently, he was living in the sewers and had come out that day at that time what? to get some sun. For, ba- or, you know, <laughs> to get some sun like a turtle? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to bask in the rays. So, there he sat in all his glory in this... And I turned it. Hold on, define all his glory real quick. (laughs) Yeah. Is it really all his glory? You know what I'm saying? It was not glory as you're thinking, but (laughs) to a person like this in a position like this, if seen by certain people, is the loss of careers of many people. Okay, because this is a sterile and has been has been (laughs) uh, certified sterile environment, not only from human, but elant, electronic intelligence. So people whose career it is to and jobs check for all this. They're all there is a person. It's <laughs> not only a person, a homeless one. There's not, homeless. Homeless. There's not just there, there's it's not just feces on the stairs. There's a whole person. There's Covered a person holding the feces, feces in his body. I mean, there's a person, right? So he is, yeah. And did he? So bizarre. So anyway, so I put out. So I called the Eagle Base, which was the operational uh, unit that assigns agents where to go. And I said, uh, we have a situation, unidentified subject here. He appears to be homeless. He is at the such and such street in such such area. Not 45 seconds to a minute later. I mean, it was less than a minute. And it was, there came screaming down the grass, (laughs) this large black, blacked out Chevy Suburban armored. And it raced across the lawn. and <laughs> Like something you would never see. It'd be in a movie to see something right, like that right. on, a, on a set spun, somewhere else. It spun in front of him and came to a sliding halt. Think movies. This is the, you know, the first time. <laughs> it's so bizarre. And four men flew out of this. Complete tack gear, machine guns. They had, I mean, you can't, Homeless they man, had saws. They were shit. Two, three of the men set up what's called an operational perimeter. So they went down to a knee and they're watching the horizon. Right? And then 
one the the individual and then one other person came out of the truck at that point and grabbed the homeless man, th- threw him into the back of the truck, closed it, they all jumped in, and they raced away. <laughs> Never to be seen again. <laughs> I went back, and I had a fairly um, responsible position, so I had access to a lot of information. I inquired about it later, and they said, what are you talking about? Oh, <laughs> my God. I was about to say, this sounds like some Area 51 shit to me. Yeah, no, you know what it is? It's that uh, that famous uh, spontaneous bum kidnapping unit that happens in Washington, D.C. <laughs> what patch do you think they wear? I don't know. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's a trash can. Was that just, was that for, for you? Because you, you're was, literally just watching Was this. it you and your unit or just you right there? It was me, and then the, Did you have popcorn? We had, there were several, there were a few uh, presidential sniper and response team members with me. They Did you all just in- stare at each other like, what the <laughs> hell was that? No, they just, they smiled. They just, say they another had another Tuesday. Moment of laughter. Another there, Tuesday. There, I mean, there had to have been some moment where you guys were like, huh. <laughs> that, no, that was me. <laughs> yeah. You're just like, you don't see that? I love how the presidential snipers are like, eh. That bum just got, Monday just got bum rushed. So the way the presidential sniper team, they are all selected <laughs> high performance Delta SEAL Team Six uh, operatives, and then there's a assigned unit at the time. And then let's say there are three teams. One team's assigned to the presidential detail, the residents, whatever. The other is a response team, and then the third performs operational duties. And that's the one that I was with that day. And they were responding to other areas. So. <laughs> It was it was mind blowing. I, I can't tell you. I wish I could tell you. With that, I don't know where this vehicle came from. I don't know where it went, and I don't. Know I, I'm more in my head thinking about how this I'm, would never. No vehicle would ever in, in Washington D.C. be able to drive across that lawn, but because this well, was a wasteland of nothingness. Sounds like it was an Autobot. Yeah, Probably. seriously. I just love the fact how it's just like. So what about the person? What person? <laughs> like that to me is like it's the fucking It's men in black. Part. It's men in black. I'm exactly. telling you, Area 51 style. We do not exist. So <laughs> to, to, did, they, did they zap you at the end with a pen? <laughs> we're uh, we're kind of nearing towards the end of time. I want to I want to ask two quick things. Sure. First is. <laughs> so kills me. <laughs> first is, uh, I'm well, more a statement. I'm pretty sure I'm going to go pick up Call of Duty and pretend I'm you. <laughs> <laughs> pretty sure that's going to happen at some point. Special birthday unit. No, so uh, as we kind of wind up here, uh, down, sinister. I, I want to take it to a... <laughs> winding up is at the beginning. <laughs> Thank you. As we wind down, I want to take it to a semi more serious note slate. for a second. Sure. You have dedicated what sounds like a, a large portion of your life to security, to the military. I. Correct me if I'm wrong here. It sounds like ultimately the work that you've done in your life has gone to really protecting the American dream. Gracias. To, to allow me to live in, in my home in a, in a crime-free area, ignorant, <laughs> being the key word, ignorant yeah. of really the atrocities and some of the really darker sides of the world. Mm. And... First of all, Josh, you hit it in the head. How could we ever say thank you enough for you, for people just like you all over the world who are dedicating yourselves to not only helping to protect the world from these things, but at the same time being completely okay that there are people like myself 
all over the world who go home on a Saturday or a Friday night and go, hey, hey, it's okay. I'm going to watch TV. The world's a happy place. So thank you so much for what you do. We could probably get more of them on the show to say thanks. Like as a thank you, they get to be on our show. We could. <laughs> but but what I what I am interested in, in hearing from you is I, I, I would be would not be surprised if there are a lot of other people who besides myself who are listening to tonight and going, Wow, like that's a lot of stuff. And I and it sounds like you have <laughs> hundreds of more stories in your life that you could tell about this crazy stuff that happens. But the key thing that it's interesting that I'm taking away is I'm really ignorant here, Sinister, and, <laughs> and you have dedicated your life to something that I completely take for granted. And is there some form of wisdom, something you would like to impart, something you'd like to say to people who are like me, who are ignorant, who, are, who don't know, hey, the world is a scary place, and there are people dedicating their lives to trying to make it better. Is there something you would like to say to those people? Well said. Well, first off, thank you very much for those kind words. I, I think it would be easy for me at this point in my personality just to deflect that and say, well, yeah, you're great too, and you are. <laughs> and, no, and I say that seriously. I, I, I can't tell you how, especially, you know, there are times in your show and then in Jack even on, it has given me wisdom where I've been upset at certain things that happen in Call of Duty. <laughs> there are things that I've heard from you, uh, Jason, on the show where you bring a balance like, no, I don't know about a gun in the house. I don't know these things. I don't know. I value life. And these things that I think provide fence posts for character and morality in society and I think really are important. But I think, so thank you. But to answer your question, I think there is something, if I could say, that there is, it is something I live with, that there is no music in the serious parts of our lives. So in a movie, when there is a bad guy or someone is about to be hurt, the music changes. When you make a decision that is serious or significant in your life, the music, the drums start to beat. Hmm. But in real life, there is no music. And the most critical and important decisions you'll make and that I've seen that change lives and change countries and change businesses happen in quiet. And, you know, I, I'm, re, I'm reminded of a young man who was asked at a party to yeah, drink some of this. It makes you feel good. He drank it. Uh, it was a fatal dose of PCP. It did not kill him immediately. It killed him over a period of an hour where he knew he was going to die. Oof. There was no music when he was about to consume it, but it changed his life. It ended it. And I think... If I could say anything, there are scary things in the world. In the world, don't live in fear. Find the good in life. But remember that significant decisions happen without music. When you begin to cheat on your taxes, and when you begin to steal or cheat on a spouse or do these things, they don't happen with the drum beats. And I think I've seen murders. I've seen dead bodies. I've seen corporate policy changed. I've seen people lose their positions, all in decisions that happened in quiet. So if I could say anything, add your own music. When there are significant decisions, stop, pause, pause for a moment and say, this has the potential to change my life. 
insert music here. <laughs> wow. That is it. Not that music. Not that music. To piggyback on I always uh, go die hard in all my scenarios. To <laughs> piggyback on Jason's, thank you for uh, doing what you do. Dude, just thank you for being on this show. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. You know, we would I know we didn't get to any topics tonight whatsoever. <laughs> dude, I'm No, I'm, dude, don't apologize for anything. Yeah, We'd I'm, love to actually have you back and have you kind of nerd out sure, with us. I'm we pretty sure we're putting you as a you. as a topic for next week. Yeah. So I hope you're available. Absolutely. Wednesday. I yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I dude, past all this crap, I just I wanted to go in and just I could go in and talk. I mean, you could talk Call of Duty all damn, which would piss Jason off <laughs> significantly. But just on, and and we didn't even get it to, and we're gonna end the show now. But just the fact of uh, because of his background, I always find it so interesting his take on the game, the huh. game that we play, yeah, and first person shooters and how his approach to the game is so much more tactical than most anybody we play because he comes at it from the standpoint of. This is, this so is sl- what would really this happen. Is so slippery. I want to talk about this now. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> well, we'll do a well, it, sinister. If you're willing, we will do a part two with you. Yeah, I am always available for, for this show. This is, I tell you, if I'm not in it, I'm listening. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, we yeah, we not only would love to have you back, we will. Which have I'm you sure. Back. Which yes. I, which we I'm want sure you to have. We, we want <laughs> you to come back. We want okay. you to want to. We want you to want. We're not. Want you know, we're not stroke. offering it. We want you. We're asking you. Please come back. <laughs> Certainly, absolutely for you, for you, Josh. Anything, <laughs> you know what, buddy? But you know what, right guy, back at you. You know what, though. Thank, thank you so much, Jay, for being on the show, and uh, and uh, yeah, definitely next week with that, kids. I think it's about that time. What do we? Uh, it's been a while. What do we do at the end? Exactly. We are. Oh, we you, sign out. You, we who, say our names. Yeah. Hey. Okay. Go. Good, good to have you. Good to have you back. <laughs> you know Adam. what? We'll come. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to me. We, Adam. Adam McFarlane here, guys. <laughs> signing out. Josh Lebron, everybody. I'm Jason Carter. And I'm Jack Eckler, and thanks everybody for tuning in to Nerdtastic in 3D. Exactly. And uh, yeah, ya. and again, thanks for uh, Sinister here. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, guys. Awesome. All right. Bye bye. Bye. Woo! Nerdtastic. 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 In 3D.